Woo! Oh my! What an episode we got for you today, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Spark in the Dark podcast. I'm your host, Dan Maitha. As you can tell, I am super excited about this episode. I've got Romeo George in the house. This is a this was one of those podcasts, so full disclosure, I'm filming the intro after I recorded the podcast. So I'm riding high right now. But I met this dude. I've never met this guy that you're about to meet. So this is the first time ever interacting with this dude. Guy's name is Romeo Georges. And he is a guy someone recommended to him to me as a follow. He's from Australia. And uh, I, I would watch these rants he would put on his, his Instagram. And they'd just be, you know, anywhere from three to seven minute long rants. And he was just talking about anything you could think of. The the bushfires in Australia, COVID, the lockdown, how the politicians were handling it. You name it. The You know, he was very much so into the uh, U.S. election and everything that was happening with politics. And it, I just saw his what he was putting out there. And I, I just was like, wow, I don't really see anybody saying this stuff, at least not out loud. And I don't see anybody articulating it in a way that's not, you know, not in a, you know, I hate using this word, but for a lack of better words in a, a toxic capacity. And he was just, he was doing it from a place of love. Like that, that was the biggest takeaway that I got from this is, you know, some of you may listen to this and, because this, this episode does get political. Some of you may not lean or, or be on this side of the spectrum as Romeo, and, or you maybe don't agree with some of the things he said or whatever. But the big thing for me was, no matter what he was talking about, he was expressing, he was coming from a place of love. So re- whether you agree or disagree, like his intentions are pure. And he, he was open you know, one, his whole mission is to help others and inspire others. And, you know, he's like, I'm just like everyone else. I'm a father. I'm a husband. So I go to work just like everyone. I'm not special. He's like, but if what I can do can help, if what I can do can inspire anybody, then, you know, who am I not to do that? And I just, I walked away from this super inspired. We had a good chat. Uh, I had a great interview and I made a made a new friend. So, ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, Spark in the Dark po- Spark in the Dark podcast. I think, yeah, I think that that's what resonates the most, at least for me personally, and, and, and I can kind of, I can relate to that majorly. I, when I, I had a friend actually send me a clip of you and I saw it and I was like, it piqued my interest. So I started going through some of your other clips and I started following you back probably in like maybe May or June. And I've kind of been following you. And then I, I had a real good friend of mine that, the same guy who sent me the clip, he just was like, hey, you need to get this guy on your show. And 
Yeah. <laughs> and I just was like, you were right. I do need to get this guy on the show. So we have you here. Uh, Romeo George's Romeo, uh, for the people, my audience, and maybe whoever comes across this, let's just kind of give them uh, a little rundown of who you are, what you do, kind of what you're about. Well, Daniel, I'm just a father of three and a happily married man. Um, I've always been an outspoken kid, grew up to be an outspoken uh, bloke. I, I, I don't back down. Um, if something is bullshit, I'll call it bullshit. And that uh, what what got me started was uh, we have a nation that could feed the whole world. Australia is uh, um, is a nation where we have like I'm not being biased, but we have very high standards in food uh, manufacturing of food, whether it be uh, dairy products, uh, livestock, and um, you know agriculture. And I watched that in the last two years start to fall apart and nobody was doing anything about it. Our farmers were committing suicide because our government here didn't want to invest in the future of Australia, which is um, industry and agriculture. Why do you think, why, so why do you think that that is, Romeo? Uh, brutally honest, it's the, it's the process of selling our nation to China. Uh, you know, we have politicians that don't know how to make money except to sell things. My problem with that is when you don't have anything left to sell, what do you do then? (laughs) Right. You know, uh, they, 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 they selling our, our water. Our farmers were asked to pay. Some farmers were asked to pay. $100,000 $100,000 to secure their allocated amount of water. And our politicians illegally went and traded that water to China and the highest bidder, basically. And our farmers were left to basically, um, they were thirsty, they were dying. So I decided to stand up and I looked for um, people to help me and we raised money. Then once we tried to help, we're still trying to help the farmers. Our government is still corrupt when it comes to that point. Then we had the bushfires. And I, again, I saw, I saw my, our leaders here in Australia turn their back on um, people who have lost their homes. Um, it was made a mockery of by our government. Again, I stood up and that's what led me to um, who I, like, where I am now. Um, basically I'll, t- I'll take the fight for anything because I feel our government is letting us down. So you're, um, well, for, to kind of piggyback up, did you see, I I'm assuming that you, you've heard about this, the protests that took place in India with the 250 million farmers that protested against the three bills that got passed in India that, and I don't know all of the like the exact details of what the bills were, but from what I was reading, it sounds it it sounded very similar to what you just said about what's happening in Australia. And I think that those Indian farmers kind of saw the writing on the wall, and that's why that that the biggest protest in human history just took place what two three days ago, and no mainstream media is even talking about it because our media is left, to be quite honest. 
Our media does not want to show the true suffering of the people. Anything, anything that affects their agenda. And what I mean by left is uh, this socialist attitude of, um, you know, we, are, we must all comply for the betterment of man. Um, you, cannot, you cannot be an individual. You have to stand in line and what they say goes. Uh, they're not going to show Indian people not happy with their government. They're not going to show Australian people not happy with their government. They won't show Americans. Um, but if it's a social protest, you know, the, the socialists, um, they'll, they'll, they'll over-exaggerate it. They'll blow it up. We're not just fighting governments here, Daniel. We're fighting the media. And that's a war machine that we, we have never seen anything like before. No, this, so the, the media, right, is they're, uh, they're a weapon. They, they're a weapon that mankind has never seen before. And with the internet and now the smartphone and the ability that this thing is in your hand, in your pocket 24 seven, they've tapped into our brain in a way that like that Hitler could have only dreamed of in terms of propaganda. And I think Hopefully, if we survive, you know what I mean, enough years down the road, we're going to look back on this period in time, and it's going to be like the dark ages of the internet. Like, we had this magnificent tool. We had this wonderful tool, and we used it for such harmful, destructive behaviors. And all for, all, all for in the name of pushing these political agendas that aren't for the betterment of the people. This is, so this is the thing that's really been pissing me off. And I, and I, I, one of the things that made me resonate with you because you, you are the common man. You're the common man. And it was it, seeing your, your feet inspired me because it's like, yo, this is just an everyday regular guy that said enough is enough and this is what's right and I'm going to stand up and I'm going to speak my mind. And I might and and maybe you're not right. Maybe I'm not right about everything. But I'm willing to speak up. I'm willing to ask and demand that I think that this is wrong and I want you to prove to me that you are right. And if not, then we need to figure out what is right and what's not wrong. But me, we, the people, like I'm sick and tired of sitting back and letting these people who we know, like it's not a conspiracy theory. Like there are no conspiracy theories in terms of we know politicians are paid and bought for by corporations. We, it's not, that's not a conspiracy. It's in America. I don't know how it is in the, the Australian parliament, but in America, it is legal for corporations to fund politicians. It, it's not a crime. Yeah. Here in Australia, it, that is, that is, it's not allowed. You can, you, corporations can fund the party. They cannot fund individual politicians. So, of course, it's the same thing, but it's different. You know, they want you to think it's different, but really it's the same thing. I mean, once the money gets into the party's bank account, who knows where that money's being distributed to? It could just be going straight into pockets of individual politicians. So really, it's the same thing. Right. You know? And... Uh, yeah. It's... Uh, they just... It's, it's... I don't know, but here in Canberra, a politician starts off with great intentions, but the second he crosses... <laughs> 
that entrance of the doorway into Parliament House, it, it's it's though they forget everything what they're about. Right. It's just about them. The protection of their position. Um, it just they just seem to forget us. You know, on camera, it's all about the Australians, but you know, actions speak louder than words. You can tell me you love me a million times, but if you don't help me, well, what kind of love is that? You know? Um, yeah. We had a leader, um, Barry O'Farrell. Um, he he was sacked, be- well, sorry, I don't want to say, he resigned um, because this was many years ago uh, over a bottle of wine. He was given a bottle of wine. Now, he's the... He's the prime minister, the premier of New South Wales, which is basically the leader of New South Wales, the elected leader. He resigned over a, a gift. He stood up and he said, I made a mistake. I didn't know I broke the, uh, the law. So for this, I'm, I, I resigned my position uh, because I, I did something that I'm against. And, and I respected him for that, you know, and had he said, had he run again to be the leader, I probably would have uh, voted for him again just because he showed some honour and integrity that he made a mistake and he fell on his own sword. Now we have a, prem- a premier who tried to blame our security forces, which is um, border force, we call them. She, she tried to blame them for un- allowing 2,700 supposed... Uh, or potentially people who are who have coronavirus off the Ruby Princess, um, and she was found out that she was lying. Then she uh, she was actually asked to go to uh, inquiry into her relationship with another politician. This woman's untouchable. She has, you know, everything she's done. She just gets up and says, "I'm sorry." And, and that's supposed to make it right. right. But the truth is, what I see is this. Politicians now think they're untouchable, and all they need to say is they're sorry. There's no honor. There's no integrity anymore. How many times How many times can you say you're sorry before people realize, like, oh, you're not sorry. You're not actually sorry. You're just, you're sorry you got caught. Exactly. And, and that's a question that I ask Australians, just like you. Yeah, and so... How so? It's interesting that you are also upset with leadership in your country, as are many Americans here in this country. Either, no matter what side you're on, um, I think that there may be some biases uh, here. Well, there's definitely some biases here in this country, but I think in the United States, COVID has been made exponentially worse than it needed to be due to poor leadership, poor decision making poor uh action poor just poor overall leadership i wonder do you feel the same way in australia oh absolutely COVID has been here in australia has been used as an excuse that if it rained on a day that it was supposed to be sunny COVID 19 made that happen this is what (laughs) our government has pushed so much we have a premier in Victoria who's seriously part of the CCP. I'll, I'll openly say it. I believe 
We have an Australian politician who's a member of the Chinese Communist Party. This, this bloke blamed everything on COVID. He was telling people you cannot sing at a school concert because you'll spread COVID. <laughs> right. This, I believe, I believe at least your leaders, for example, Donald Trump, who said he had COVID at the age of 77 and three days later, he came out and said that he's fine. I believe he tried to give, whether it be right or wrong what he did, but I believe he tried to give American people hope. We don't have that here. We have uh, constant pressure on us through advertising and these politicians talking where it's constantly social distance, wear a mask, stay away from each other. Yeah, like seriously, it's just a really bad flu. It's just a really bad flu because, you know, my grandfather died of the flu at the age of 88. My other grandfather died um, after defeating cancer a year later. He also fell asleep. He had influenza and he died. I mean, we've, everybody here in Australia, nobody has died of obesity. Nobody has died of diabetes. Nobody has died of cancer. Nobody has died of anything except coronavirus. Yeah, that's very interesting that all these other diseases, illnesses, causes of death have kind of just fallen off the map the past uh, eight to ten months. And I think uh, it's so here in the United States. It, I mean, we're kind of similar. I, I don't know if we're we're not if we're not too much in the same boat in terms of always being bombarded. If you watch, if you watch mainstream media, you are always being told about the seriousness of COVID, wear a mask, stay inside, social distance, depending on what state you have, you're living in, right? I'm fortunate I'm living in Florida. Uh, Governor Santos said we, he will not lock down here in the state of Florida, which is one of the reasons why half the country is flocking to Florida and the other half is flocking to Texas. Uh, but then you have governors like Gavin Newsom of California who are saying the same things as your parliament are, where it's social distancing. You can't have any more than four to five people at Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner. Do not sing. When you're in your house, you must take your mask off in between but or put your mask back on in between bites. That's and the, then the, and then stupidity. That, and then you, the, the greatest part about it all is then you catch these governors, you catch these people of authority out, out at dinner with groups of people larger than what they said, no masks on, enjoying their life while they literally fear monger their people. Exactly. Do what we tell you, but we're not going to do what we tell you. Yes. We're, we're it, a, it's, 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 it's hypocrites. That's what they are, you know? And I, I, I've seen that for many, many years, many, many years by these. We've, we, I don't know how we're going to fix it except by what we're doing right now, trying to open, open people's eyes to the uh, double standards and the hypocrisy of these people. And hopefully that could uh, start a wave of you know a movement that can just tell all these leaders around the world we've had enough of you. Yeah. It's over. Take good luck to you on how much money you've made. 
you can leave now. Well, doesn't it go back to what we were talking about, how the media is specifically leaving out protesting, right? They're, they're not showing the Indian government or the Indian people protesting against their government and, you know, and winning. They're not, they're not showing that because they don't want the people to realize that we have the power that, that they serve us. And that if we get together, if we work together, think together, talk to each other instead of dividing each other, which is what's happening. It's like, you're either, you're either uh, pro-mask or anti-mask. If, if you believe in COVID, you have your mask on, this is real. And if you don't, you know, if you don't think the mask is that serious, you don't think COVID is that serious, you don't care about your loved ones, you don't care about people, and then you get put on a political side as well. Like, it's been politicized. If you believe in it, you're on this side. If you don't believe it, you're on that side. And it's, 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 I, I don't, it's not that I don't believe in the virus. I just don't think that my entire life should come to a halt. I don't think that all the small businesses should get shut down and buried into the ground. I mean, it, what, I think I, I, I just read, and, and I could be wrong here, but I, I just saw a fact that 20, 40% of small businesses are going to go under in the next month here in the United States. And it's going to get worse next year. And, and it's going to get worse. And who, and, but you know who's not going to go under? Amazon, politicians. And, yes. yeah, politicians, Amazon, Walmart, Google. All the, in fact, they've done the opposite of go under. They've exponentially increased their net worth during a time where so many people are suffering. Absolutely, because they they they're um they're a business that uh, Amazon, Google, uh, Facebook, Facebook, so they're a business that wants you to sit there and look at the phone. But if you're out working, okay, like me, a truck driver, I can't sit on the phone on Facebook. I can't be on Amazon. I can't be Googling stuff. I need to be sitting down. So this COVID is perfect for that kind of industry to sell their product. Right. People at home doing absolutely nothing. They're, they're, they need something to remove this darkness in their mind. So what do they do? They open up Facebook and Instagram and uh, and start searching stuff on Google and, you know, uh, wanting to buy stuff on Amazon. And it's perfect for them. It's a perfect market. You know? So, it's- of course, they're going to go up. While real business, the salt of the earth business, businesses that need people to interact with each other, um, that's, that'll be gone. You know? There will be no such thing as customer service anymore. Finished. There is no service. You just press a button and it will be delivered to your house by a delivery man wearing a mask. You don't even know who he is. <laughs> well, I, I think that one of the things that is taking place and is there's like a, a dehumanization that is now taking place with, with this quarantine and this lockdown and all this social isolation is we've we've grown further and further away from the you know our our fellow man our fellow woman we 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 don't have a relationship we're we're losing the relationships that we have with each other and 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 you and i just and you just said that's what they want mm-hmm. 
Of course that's what they want. Why is that what they want? We're easily controlled that way. Okay, it's a lot easier to put five sheep in one pen and move them around than it is to put 200 sheep in one pen and try to move them around. Because eventually those sheep will turn to lions and you can't control them. There's just too many. So the best thing is to slowly try to tell you, stay away from your brother. Stay away from your sister. You start to break down the, um, the family bond. Stay away from your neighbor. He might kill you. Eventually, everybody's standing in a pen by themselves. And they'll come in and grab you when they want. Tell you to do whatever they want. They have full power. And you, can, you actually believe that you have no power anymore because you look around and you're alone. But when you should have done something, you didn't. And you hate yourself for it. But you stay quiet. And that's what I see is going to happen to our children if we don't open up our eyes and understand that all they want to do is control us. And what I mean by they, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I believe, I'll tell you who exactly it is. It's the United Nations. It's uh, the World Health Organization. It's these people in that position that want to combine the whole world under, under one power, you know, one money. They tried to do it in Europe. It didn't work out. The EU, it's falling apart. You know, it just didn't work. You know why it won't work, Daniel? Because we're individuals who need human contact with others. We love our individuality. We love to be independent. But without human contact, without the ability to talk to someone, without the ability to... To enjoy somebody's company, it's it's a place that people don't want to go, right? You can't you can't survive. You can't survive without interaction. And and forget the vaccine. Forget you know coronavirus. Why is this happening? Is to divide us, tear us down, and then eventually control us. It uh, the federal so. It's interesting that you brought up the UN wanting to to globalize essentially everybody under one rule. And you look at, you know, you start connecting dots. If you start looking five moves ahead, you see all this stimulus checks being, all this money from the Fed are being printed at record rates and inflation. Inflation's through the roof. And, and if you didn't know any better, you would you like you would think that they were trying to crash the dollar. Yes, right. You, you would think, think that they is. were trying to crash the U.S. dollar, and there and there's no physical currency. It, we're we're running out of the actual physical currency. Yes, that's right. And like you said, this isn't. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but these are things that, as a as a person who's not just looking down at their feet, you know, that has their head up. And is looking at the horizon to see if there's any danger on the way because that's how us humans evolved, right? We got up off all four limbs. We got up on two and we saw the horizon and that's how we were able to take over the world, right? By by looking ahead and working together. So like that's in me, right? That's in my DNA. It's obviously in your DNA. It's in a lot of people's DNAs. Looking ahead, what like what, what are you doing here? 
What are you doing with the dollar? What are you doing with the world currency? Why is there every Federal Reserve pumping out money? And and I get it. People aren't working. We we need money, right? We we're being mandated to stay at home. Businesses are going under. We need money. People, there's people that are about to get evicted in the winter here in the United States. There are people that there's 40 million people that are when this uh this rent moratorium or whatever it is is uh is over if it doesn't get extended are going to be evicted. So like that's on the surface that's why they're 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 doing it. But to what you said about the UN wanting everybody under one umbrella, if the U.S. dollar collapses, then what what happens? The world goes into chaos. Yeah, and guess who steps in to be the great savior? You must, yeah. you, 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 you need a problem in order to be the great savior. With no problem, you don't need anybody to rescue you, you know? And I guarantee you, if this happens, the first people, the, 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 United, well, the United Nations, they'll run straight in. Oh, we're here to save the day. Don't worry, but you need to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You need to comply. That's, that's basically what it is. That's, that's, that's the whole aim of the game. I don't think that, that they have the power to crush the American dollar. I just don't. Too many nations uh, uh, back the American dollar. Um, I speak to a lot of people. They talk to me, oh, Romeo, isn't the Australian dollar going great against the American dollar? I said, only if you're going to travel overseas. But if you're wanting to build Australia... If you're wanting investment, and if you want to um, buy cheaper products, the dollar should be at about 65, 10 cents less. I said, well, why can't we be equal to the American dollar? Because that's not the way the economy works. We need, Americans want to, everybody that invests in Australia, whether they're um, French, Chinese, Russian, American, they use American dollars. So the less the Australian dollar is, which should sit between 62 and a half to 65 cents, the more people will find value for money in investing in Australia. The higher the Australian dollar is, the less people would want to invest because there's no value in the dollar. Right. It's as simple as that. Then they sort of say, oh, okay. So the only time it's beneficial to you is if you want to travel to America or you want to travel overseas and you have to use American money. You know, then you go, beautiful. My dollar is a dollar for a dollar. Great. Good luck to you. But that's, again, that's only thinking about yourself. But when thinking about a nation, the, the American dollar must be strong. It has to be. You know? Yeah, I, I agree. I Because I, it's easy... <laughs> It's easy to, uh, to, to de- and I, actually before it's easy to demonize America, right? A lot of people do it. And it's weird that a lot of people in the United States are starting to demonize America and particular people who probably have never left their home state, l- let alone America, right? Are, are quick to condemn the United States. And I imagine that a lot of that is, is social conditioning or media conditioning that has taken place. So I bring that up to ask you, what what is your perception of America as an outsider? Look, um, my, 
I, I, I respect America. You know, I, I respect America um, because, look, it's the nation that leads the West, right? It's taken the burden on his shoulder to lead the West and it's done a great job. But nobody's perfect, Daniel, right? Nobody, no nation is perfect. But we cannot judge America of 2020. Okay, put it this way. We cannot judge America from 2016 to 2020 upon the actions of an American government in the 1990s, in the 1980s, and in the 1970s. And this is what the media and the left are doing. And I'm going to be specific. Donald Trump is a baby killer, right? Donald Trump is a murderer. Now, when I hear these, I look at these people and I say, do you, do you know exactly what you're saying? Like, do you, how is this man a baby killer? He's the first president in 71 years not to declare war on another nation. He's actually pushing to remove his soldiers out of the Middle East while doing, um, try to do a peace treaty with the Middle East. How is he a murderer? You know, um, but they turn around, oh, this is what, then they'll tell you, but you know, America always does this. I said, hold on, it's not America. It's and the, the American government at the time, right? I'm sure the American people, the mother and father, um, that their son's about to put on, you know, battle uniform and go to war would prefer him stay. You know, they're not clapping and saying, off you go, son, go kill yourself. I'm sure the mother and father are crying, saying, stay safe, my son and daughter, and come home safely. But that's what the left wants you to do. They don't want you to judge America upon its government's action of today. It wants you to judge America over actions that were done 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago. And that's wrong. That's wrong. You wouldn't do that to a person. Why would you do that to a country? America isn't bad. America is a good nation who sometimes has leaders, just like every other nation, that use that power for their own political gain while painting an ugly picture of all America. And that's wrong. That's my opinion about America. In general, like every other nation, it's taken the burden of being the leader and at the same time trying its best. I believe the most... I've fallen in love with America the most in the last four years. Whether it be for Donald Trump, I don't know. But I've seen a lot of positive things coming out of America up until the last few months, you know, when everything, because of this COVID. Yeah. It was a real, there was something real about it. The whole world was moving forward. Did you get the same feeling? Well, here, so it, it's interesting because all that you really saw here in the United States was the bashing of Donald Trump. All you ever saw was, you you just it was just negative negative negative. Don, Donald Trump is sexist. He's racist. He's a bigot. He's this. He's that. And 
it was to the point where they were openly getting caught taking clips out of context and then putting headlines and clickbait titles that were painting pictures that just made Donald Trump look like the most monstrous of presidents that we've ever had. And for me, as a looking out uh, like upon this, I did, I'm, I'm somebody that actually, when I, when I see a clickbait article or if I, if I see, if I see a news report, I actually click it and read it and don't just, don't just judge the article based on the title, which is what 75% of all people do. They just read the title and their mind, their mind fills in the blank. Right. And I would actually read it. And then I would see, oh, this is a, a 30 second clip from a, from a, an hour long like video. So then I would go and find the full video and see what was actually said and be like, hold on a second. Like I might not be the biggest fan of the way Donald Trump carries himself or speaks, but like you're, you're painting this man in the most, uh, like you're lying to us. You're blatantly lying to us. And now You've done it so much that I can't ever trust anything that you say. Yep. And uh, and not only no, can I'm, I not I'm trust sorry. what you say, now I have to question why are you lying so much about this man? Because he shouldn't have never won. Right. He he should have never have been the president of the United States. He was considered a joke when he ran in 2016. They opened They laughed, they, they mocked him. You know, sorry, I'm just going to get a table to put my cup of coffee. I nearly dropped it before. So, oh, no problem. Um, um, so, of course, of course, their, their whole job after he won was to try and justify why they did not want him to win. You know, so because they turned out to be liars and they can't accept the fact that, you know, they can't accept the fact that they lied so much and they just continued on with their, with their lies and abuse of a man. You know, um, he was, he was once one of the most loved celebrities in America. Was he not? Everyone he was loved Donald. Every rapper, every rapper glorified Donald Trump. Before 2016, you can go back and find countless rap songs. And rap yep. to me is literally like they are pop culture. Rap him. rap drives the hip hop culture, drives uh pop culture. And yep. for like the past 20, 25 years. And in hip hop culture, Donald Trump was was glorified. And then the media, all of a sudden, the media switched up the game so hard, all of a sudden, these same rappers had to backtrack on a lot of the things that they glorified him for because now they, if you supported Donald Trump, you were a racist, you were a sellout, you were an Uncle Tom. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And to this point. And to, and to me... Yeah. To me, when some when you're not allowed to criticize somebody, mm-hmm. that that's like that's where you should be looking. When you're not allowed to criticize somebody, and you're only allowed to criticize one person, and if you support one person, then you become criticized. Now you got to get suspicious. Now you got to start becoming an investigator. You got to start looking around and being like, 
hold on. Like I'm a human being with free will. And this is a country where that, that, uh, supports and is built upon that. So why is that being suppressed? Cause I want to change it. Right. And it's like you said, it's like you said, he was never supposed to win. And if we go back to what you were talking about in your country where politicians come in with the best intent, pure hearts, and they come in and then they get corrupted through the system. I always say this. uh, I I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a professional wrestler, or at least I was before the pandemic. And in pro wrestling, there are good guys. Those are baby faces. And there are bad guys, villains. Those, those are heels. And you, you root for the good guy and you boo the bad guy. And they come out and they have a fight and they do their thing and the people cheer and the people boo and then the good guy comes out on top and everybody's happy. But those two go into the back afterwards and they hug each other. Great match. Loved it. You did great. We talk about everything. We're, they're riding high on the show that they just put on for the people. Politics are literally the same exact thing as pro wrestling. You, if you're a Republican, you're allowed to act any which way that you want as long as you act within the Republican framework and if you're a democrat you're allowed to act any which way you want as long as you operate within the framework of the democrats and then and then you guys work together and you fight and conflict each other in front of the people right but but who's the promoter who's the guy running the show who's the one running the strings that's the question that's the real question and donald trump donald trump was somebody who was not from the show. He was not one of the performers. He was he was from outside of the industry. Well said. Very well said. I think that's a very, very outstanding point that you've just made. I heard a saying that said once, not a saying, it was actually a quote. Donald Trump is neither Republican or Democrat. Donald Trump is Donald Trump. He's, an, he's his own party, right? He sacked Republicans. He's, you know... He's, he sucked people in his own committee. Why? Because he felt they weren't doing right by the American people. So, you know, if you're willing to hammer your own political party, you do not fit the mold anymore. You're not supposed to bag out your own. You're supposed to bag out the opposite side. Right. And the opposite side isn't supposed to bag out its own. It's supposed to bag out you know, the, their, their opposition. Donald Trump broke that mold. He hammered everyone. Anybody that, uh, whether he, you know, he'd be part of his own team or the opposition or the media, he didn't care. They don't like that. It's something they can't control. This person is very volatile. We need somebody we can control. We can't control this person. And I'll go back to tell you this. And I've asked every single person that hates Donald Trump, why do you hate him? Because, you know, and I go back to saying, you know, he's a nasty person. He's a sexist, you know, he's misogynistic. He's, you know, he's, he's racist. Really? I didn't ask you about Donald Trump. I asked you, why don't you like the president of America? Right. Huh? I said, I, didn't, I, I don't want to know about Donald Trump. 
Donald Trump, I might meet him and find he's an absolute prick. But I'm asking you, what do you think of Donald Trump as the leader of a nation? There's no answer. There is an answer that I don't want to tell you because you know, it works against them. Don't judge the man for who he is as a man. What has he done? That's what we're supposed to do. That's what the media is supposed to do, but it doesn't do it. It's always, you know, he's sexist. He's racist. He can be sexist. He can be racist. But has he not created jobs? Has he not rebuilt an economy in America? Has he not put people back to work? You know, I, I said it yesterday in, my, in a podcast with Joel Jamal. A general once said, my men may hate me, but they respect me because I kept them alive. You may hate Donald Trump, but the respect the man because he gave you a job. He created an economy when America was broke. In 2016, America was broke. Police weren't getting paid. All your government officers were asked, and you remember this, Barack Obama, we don't have money to pay for the security guards that look after the Statue of Liberty. Nobody, railway train drivers, um, police, ambulance, fire brigade. Nobody, the country was broke. He had to print money. That's when the Australian dollar went dollar for dollar with the Americans. Along comes Donald Trump. And in four years, built factories, started manufacturing, invested in agriculture. This is the leader we want, whether you like it or not. When you judge a man, judge him upon his actions as a leader. I don't care that he once at a nightclub grabbed a girl between her legs. He might be a nasty human being. I am not judging him on that action I am, because then I'm judging Donald Trump. We need to judge the president of the United States. You do that and everybody will, two things will happen. All these people accusing him of different, all these people accusing him of Donald Trump will shut up. And all the people that truly understand what a leader is can finally stand up and back this man. But that's not gonna happen because it's not beneficial to the Democrats, to the lefts. Let's just keep hammering him because he's not a nice person. Well, this is, the, <laughs> this is the thing that, uh, that bothered me the most was that he, they didn't give him credit when credit was due. Yeah. Because the, the, the only thing I would say to what you just said, Romeo, is I, the, the character of the man is important for the leadership position. That, you know, you want your leader to be poised. You want your leader to be respectable, moral, moralistic human being, right? So, like, I, I can understand some of the gripes that people have with his character. But I, I'm with you in the sense that I don't really, my, I'm not letting my feelings get in the way of production, like, I want somebody that's going to be in a leadership position that's going to get shit done that's better for we, the people. And one of the things, one of the things that he did that he does not get credit for is his trade war that he put on China. 
all the trade tariffs that he put on China are one of the reasons why our economy was able to grow in the way that it did over the four years that he was here. But at the, but, but, but that's not acceptable because, you know, he hurt the Democrats' best friend by doing right. that. He hurt the best friend. The Democrats don't. Like, the American people that are watching right now, the Democrats don't, want, don't care about you. They don't. Neither do the Republicans. You know who cares about you? The guy that should have been on a yacht because he's worth $8 billion, living the best life. He gave it all up. He gave away his, his presidential allowance to, to feed the homeless. That's who loves you. That's who's tried so much. And you actually, you're judging him because he said something 25 years ago or he took a picture with Epstein 30-odd years ago um, this man loves America. He may not love you individually. He doesn't even know you. You probably, you know, he's not going to say, hey, how you going, Daniel? Maybe he would, maybe he don't. But you're an American, and his actions were trying to make America great again. And I think he succeeded, and I think it's an absolute shame that it has to come to an end. I hope it doesn't, but I think it's a great shame. And if the American people are so upset about the way Donald Trump acts, <laughs> well, you're just about to receive the biggest clown on earth as the next president of America. So I want to know how you're going to feel about that to a guy who can't even finish a speech. Right. How are you going to feel about a guy that doesn't remember his wife's name? <laughs> right. You know? That's, yeah. that's brutally honest. How are you going to feel about that? How are you going to feel about a leader who for 47 years did absolutely nothing except get a wage from Congress, from the Senate? For 47 years, he was just a seat filler. That's all he was. Did nothing. How are you going to, how are you going to deal with that? What do you expect? They, they justified it by, they justified it by him not being Trump. Yeah, that's how it, that's how that's how it was packaged. He's not Trump. That's how that's how a lot of people justified it here in the United States. They voted for anybody because that wasn't Trump. Yes. And to me, Absolutely. to me, that's scary because I don't care. I like I don't care who wins the election as long as they win the election, that the, the, the election was done uh, fairly. Right, which no election. There's never been an election in human history where there's not some sort of level of corruption. Like Absolutely. there's just always going to be some level of corruption in any election. So mm -hmm. as long as there's a fair election, right, somewhat fair, and you know, due process of the uh, of electing the president takes place. I don't care who becomes president, whether I agree yeah. with them or not. The, the rules of this country are the majority votes, the majority wins. Yeah, but, well, if that's the rules of this country, then uh, Trump should have won. <laughs> well, he, he didn't have... He didn't have the majority, he, you know, they had, I, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't even know what to say about the election responses or results because I don't even know what's true anymore. And they've won. Yeah, right. I don't See? even, I, I can't oh. honestly, 
I can't honestly speak about it because I don't know what is true or not true. Exactly. The whole world is thinking exactly what you just said. I don't know what's true. It's work. <laughs> so what do we do? You know what? I'm over this. Biden, here. Yep. Take it. Because it's work. In order, if, if, if all they did was confuse the hell out of the whole world. And what do you do when you're confused? You'll take the first answer you're given. What do you do when you're lost? But uh, yeah, as we were saying, that's exactly what's happened. The whole world is confused. Yeah. They just want answers. Any answer will do. We just don't want to be confused. We don't want to be lost. It's worth what they've wanted to happen has happened. But I think we have one more card up our sleeves. You know? Um, who us the people or the 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 media and the politicians no us the people and what is I that think card? We have one, that card yeah um the ability to still stand together we we are still able to do that we still are able that hasn't been taken away from us right without having to go to war. We can still do it right now, peacefully, right? Right. I pray to God that we don't get to a stage where we need to go to war. So that's our last card. We need to stand, protest. I tell everybody, how was the Vietnam War stopped? Nobody won the Vietnam War. The Vietnamese didn't win the Vietnam War. The Americans, the Australians, and the British didn't win the Vietnam War. They just stopped. True or not? Why was it stopped? Because of the protests that happened in Sydney. Yeah. And in, in, in California and in New York and, 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 you know, all the capital cities of every single nation that was part of this war to say enough's enough. And the Vietnam and these governing people that were making a lot of money from this war said, we've pushed it too far. We need to stop now or we're going to lose control. So the Vietnam was ended in 1975. Okay. And everybody came home. Did anybody win that war? No. But who won that war? The people, the Australian people, the American people, the British people, every single nation that was part of this war, they won. The Vietnamese people won because it was over in their nation. Right. Communism, right, looked like he had won, but he had actually lost. Because even the Vietnamese, I've got a lot of Vietnamese friends that said nobody knew what they did to us after the, the Americans left. Nobody knew what they did to us after the Australians left. You know, nobody knows what happened to the Vietnamese after, you know, they claimed, oh, communism won, you know. No, yeah, in the media, communism won. But in real life, the Vietnam, the Vietnam, the, the biggest exodus, exodus of Vietnamese people from Vietnam wasn't in the 70s. It was in the 80s. Australia was flooded with Vietnamese people. And they came here and they flourished. They, but why did they come here? Because they were, they were so stepped on and, and, and their human rights taken away from them that they left Vietnam to come here and, the, and to go to America. 
You know, the that's, nation that was fighting them, they fled to. What does that, that tell you? <laughs> you know? That tells you that tells you that communism is not so. Communism is not the answer because this is so, and it's weird because it's starting to make a resurgence in like in in to the the consciousness of certain people here in the United States and maybe around the world, but here in the United States where they're starting to think that that is like an attractive thing that they should start pushing towards. But what I find that is very interesting is that like you said, communism was the big loser in Vietnam after the Vietnam war here in the United States. If you look at the voting demographic, more minorities voted for Trump this this election than they did last election and yeah. and in particular people from that immigrated from countries whether first generation or actual immigrants from countries that had communist rules cuba yeah. venezuela it, dude the cuban vote for trump was almost unanimous and you want to know why? Yeah. Because they know what communism is. They know what socialism is. So when they yeah. when they start hearing, when they start hearing that that the the whispering or any little little side wrap around little sneak attack verbiage that is like that is communism disguise, socialism disguise. They wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah, and they, America, and they proved it with their vote. Okay, in America, if you could truly see what was in front of you, right? What when I was sitting down and watching a, an American business owner in uh, California with a M16 or AR15 standing there protecting his business, yeah, from people who are unemployed probably on social security. Okay. I didn't see, um, I didn't see what the media was trying to say, you know, that these people are fighting for the rights of America, you know, no, no, no. What I saw was a successful businessman trying to protect his livelihood by a bunch of goons using, um, an excuse to burn his business down, right? All these socialist people, and I don't care if I'm wrong, it's what I believe, are some of the most, not the elites, they've made their money from corruption, but who are they using? Foot soldiers, unemployed, uh, probably mentally unstable, depressed people to do their dirty work, okay? Now, protesting, this, I'm going to lead down this track, Black Lives Matters movement. Excuse me? Excuse me? Say that again? The biggest, most successful, I'm going to say Black Lives Matters movement, happened under Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King, where they walked the streets perfectly, peacefully. Not, car, not one car was scratched. Not one business was destroyed. Not one person was killed except himself, Dr. Martin Luther King. Right? right. But... They're trying now to portray this Black Lives Matter movement to Dr. Martin Luther King's movement. Are you kidding me? Yeah. The destruction and murder of people. 
is being compared the same as millions of African Americans wanting their right to vote, their right to exist, is that the, this is what the media did. They made people believe that these Black Lives Matter leftists are the same people that walked the streets in the 60s just wanting the right to live. What a joke. What a joke. Well, they hide four African American cops were murdered. Their lives yeah. don't matter. What a joke. You know? That's hey, that's a great point, man. I feel I feel uh, like they the cuz I'm I'm sure you're aware that the 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 founders of black the political movement Black Lives Matter are trained like communists. Absolutely. Right. And it was just, it, it, it was very ironic that right before the election, they hijacked a movement and then the media hopped on because what race race is the perfect opportunity to divide the people yeah. because Absolutely. In, in all actuality, race isn't even a real thing that that's a true social construct race. There's no difference between a white person, a black person, an Asian person. There's no difference other than at all, at none. All. There's only the human race, right? Our ancestors may have may have evolved in different parts of the world that force us to have little minor like evolutional traits that either give us more melanin, less melanin, more hair, less hair. But all in all, we are exactly the same, and. What you do, what you do by creating, and and that's not, and that's not to say that there isn't an issue, that there isn't a discrimination issue. Like, I I do believe that twenty percent of that initial movement was of good, like of good intentions, and it got hijacked. Absolutely. And we moved away from true positive growth in the the unity of the races, right? We we had an opportunity to really unite each other and through the media and the divide, we what we really did was just almost separate ourselves even more. We almost took two step backs after it was all said and done because if you look at it now after the after the election, I haven't heard a single thing about black black lives matter. Absolutely, it's it's it's, it's disappeared. And I'm like, did has anything changed? Like, no. Has 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 rep representation changed? Has has the 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 discrepancy of 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 black people in this country be, being incarcerated has that changed? Has like the single family households changed? That, nothing's changed at right. all, except the insurance uh, policy. That's it. That's and, just the insurance policy. Right. And so that that was that made me really mad because it was just it, it it made me mad, but it really made I was really sad because anger is like a secondary emotion, right? But it made me sad that we had a, a moment in time to really kind of get together and collectively collectively bond here more than what we've been doing. And yes. It, we we were it divided us even more. We had an opportunity to kind of erase this lizard brain thought process of one race being better than the other, one being in a position of 
you know, being in a, a in a position of privilege or and and whatnot. And we had an opportunity. We had a real opportunity here, and I, and it was squandered. And we we let the media we let the media the, 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 fuck the us up. The, the hypocrisy of the whole thing left me gobsmacked. Okay, um, I saw. Let's not kid ourselves. Some of the biggest influences on our youth, both here in Australia and in America, are African American artists. True or not, Daniel? Dude, hundred percent. Okay. Some of the most successful business people in the entertainment industry, in the marketing industry, in basically all industries in America are African-Americans. True or not? True. Okay. Now, what did we see during this Black Lives Matter movement? So African-American celebrities standing up, backing a movement of destruction of businesses and property because... Black Lives Matter, right? We had African-American rappers who live in the hills of Beverly Hills, okay, who are worth $400 million telling people, I grew up in Compton. You may have grown up in Compton, but you now live in Beverly Hills. Right. You may have walked to school, but now you drive a $600,000 car. One of them, okay? <laughs> right. What have you done with all your success as an African-American person to help the community you came from? Nothing. But this was about, what are they using the term? Uh, 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 virtue signaling. Yeah. You know, I saw one African-American comedian sitting in a $600,000 Mercedes-Benz preaching about Black Lives Matter. Excuse me? What have you... Your $600,000 car could feed your community for about six months. What have you done? Nothing. But what's worse is what's happened here in Australia. We, the Australian people, have worked so hard to repair the damage that was done to the Aboriginal communities, okay? Not the government, the people, okay? The government comes out in 2009 and says to everybody, you know, does this, uh, Prime Minister Kevin Rudd comes out and says, does this speech, we're sorry. Australia says sorry for what it, was, what it did to the Aboriginal community. And that was it. And I laughed it off. I said, what a joke. He came out and said, I'm sorry. I'll tell you how you say you're sorry. Just like what Germany did to the Jewish people when the state of Israel was founded. Germany said sorry to Israel by giving Israel $800 billion as compensation for what it was done, what the German Nazis did to the Jews. Did you know that? No. But our government here in Australia just said sorry. Yet the persecution of the Aboriginal youth continues on. But we said sorry. But what have you done about it? Nothing. So and this Black Lives Matters movement here in Australia did more damage to the to what we have achieved than anything ever before. And who was it taken over by? The Greens, the communist organization political party here in Australia. 
it was fully taken over by it, right? The Black Lives Matter movement here in Sydney did not have not one reported case of coronavirus. And the only, and later it was found out there was a Greens political member, he tested positive coronavirus, but did not spread it during the protest. A few weeks later, we had another protest, which was not a Black Lives Matters movement, and that was the spreader of the coronavirus. All right. What a joke. That was the same thing here. Like the protests here, the rioting here didn't spread the coronavirus, but the Trump rallies were what spread the coronavirus. We had, you're an ex-NFL player, we had the state of origin, which is our showpiece of rugby league. It's the best of the best, you know? It's like your Super Bowl. Right. We play three games of our best players from two states, Queensland and New South Wales, and whoever wins the most out of those three, game, three games are crowned as winners, right? It's, it's, it's the Super Bowl of, of, the, of rugby league. Right. We had 40,000 spectators inside the stadium. We had 40 protesters outside against the COVID lockdown. The 40 people were threatened by police as the spreaders of COVID and the 40,000 inside did not spread COVID. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Right. And the leader of that protest is a good friend of mine called Michael Sims. I'd love for you to have a podcast with him as well. He actually said to the police officer, are you serious? There's 40,000 inside. There's only 40 of us out here. And we're the ones spreading COVID. He goes, mate, I'm just following the rules. Just please, I don't need the headache. It's insane. Uh, the, the bullshit and the lies. It's, it's, I just can't believe so many people are falling for it. I can't. Yeah, that's... Whether that's, here and in America. That's the most frustrating thing is that it's... Because sometimes I'm, I question myself. I'm like questioning myself at times. Like, how how is there such a large population of people that don't see this? That they do, they don't see what's happening. And it's like, am I crazy? Like, am I wrong? Am I biased? Is is my mind skewed somehow? Am I seeing this wrong? And and I try to put myself in other people's uh other people's positions, their other vantage points and their views. And I'm just like, how at any way, if your eyes are wide open and you're paying attention, you're listening, you don't think that there is something fishy about what's going on. It's, it's fee. It's fee. I'm going to tell you, so a long, uh, a few years ago, uh, there was a gentleman that I used to work with. We never, we were working for the same company. And what the, what the company asked him to do was uh, illegal in New South Wales. It's allowed in other states, but in New South Wales, it's illegal. Um, and I confronted him about it. And I said to him, why are you doing this? It's illegal. You need to say to them, what you're asking me to do, if I get caught, I'll get into trouble. His answer to that is, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to lose my job. Mm -hmm. I actually pushed him. I said, no, 
if you're not going to do anything about it, I will. Okay? Because if something happens to you, they're just going to blame you for doing it, knowing it was illegal. This was many, many years ago. And I kept pushing him, pushing him, pushing him till he actually stood up and said, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, I, I want to do it the legal way. And guess what happened? They said, fine. Go do it the legal way. I said, see? Why, 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 did you, why did you wait so long? He goes, I was scared. And this is what we're facing now. People can see the injustice. People can see the lies. They just don't want to rock the boat and they're scared. I, th I think that that has been, I think that, that that mentality, I don't want to rock the boat, gets mm -hmm. almost, it gets just laser beamed in your head from, from yeah. school, from elementary school, from elementary yeah. school to middle school to high school, like college, and you get in a job and, and you get told like you need to follow all these rules and you have to fit in this box and don't stand out. And if you do, you could lose, you know, lose your job, lose money, get in trouble, get a penalty, whatever. And so people, they just, they get taught to be small. Don't stand up for yourself, stand in line. And they just get conditioned. And over enough time, enough people stop standing up for what's right. And then the people you, it's like you said, you know, this is wrong. You know that this isn't right, but you don't want to rock the boat. And the truth is you don't want to rock the boat because you know how much work it's going to be. It's going to be more work. You're going to have, it's going to be harder. It's going to be more difficult. It's not going to be glorious. You're going to be demonized. It's like being a leader. When you're in a leadership position, you do the things that are best for your unit, for your group, for your people. And That's it right. may not be popular, it may not be liked, but at the end of the day, or when the mission's done and everyone looks back, they can be like, that we we came out on we came out better than when we started. That was the right thing to do, even though it was hard. And people are deathly afraid of difficult things today. Yeah. Things yep. everything society has gotten so cushy. Right. We've, we've gotten so good, so efficient, so smart. Technology has made our life so easy. And we have a system that if you just follow, life can be so easy. But you don't ever actually end up living and you don't actually end up. It's easy to be manipulated and controlled by people who game the system, who end up coming into positions of authority and power because I mean, let's just be honest. Most people that covet positions of authority and power have some sort of narcissistic sociopathic tendencies. You and need those, that in order to get there. Right. And, and I know that term like self-diagnosing people is super overblown and most people don't actually know how to diagnose somebody. But it, when it comes to positions of authority, like there are plenty of studies that prove that politicians and people in media are the highest when it comes to sociopaths. Yep, so you absolutely. have these people 
that get in these positions of power and use your weakness and use your complacency against you to gain what you want. And I think that that's why we're in the position that we are in this world right now. I think we're on the brink. It's like you said, there's still enough time for us to unify. There's enough time for us to gain control of the system again, but we're, we're close. Like we, we need to, we need to remember that we like you're my brother, you're my sister. We need to look out for each other because these people are going to send us off to war for for more money, for more resources. They're going to, you know, kill us off. They're going to make deals with 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 China who doesn't give a shit about their own people, let alone us. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. They're going to they're yeah. going to give they're going to give uh they're going to give an entity more power, more leverage to eventually get into a position. Because let's not fool ourselves. The, 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 the true enemy of freedom in this world right now is the Chinese government. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, people will say yeah. Iran. People will say Russia. They'll, they'll say all this other stuff. But it is China. Yeah. Let there me tell you just, something about Iran. Iran is being portrayed as the greatest enemy. But some... When I look at Iran, I just see I just see a little kid in a group of kids just wanting acceptance. Because every time somebody reaches out to Iran, they're the first one to reach their hand back out again. They're not so they're not so uh, they don't build walls. China does. Even South Korea that's been portrayed for years as the enemy of the world. Donald Trump just stuck out his hand to the leader of North Korea. And the hand, and 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 he stuck out his hand as well. And look what we achieved. Right. Right. The media just look. At the end of the day, to all the Americans that are watching, and to all the Australians that are watching, what's more important, your house or your child, your house or your neighbour? Not your neighbour's house, your neighbour. I've always had an ability to detach myself from materialistic things. It, I had a very expensive car. It was a write-off in an accident. I didn't cry about it. It's just metal. There's a Lebanese saying that says metal can be replaced. Life can't. Mm-hmm. They, I'm doing this because I'm not scared. Because I have an ability to detach myself from everything that is materialistic. I could just forget about it like that. My house, my car, my, my weakness, my Achilles heel is my wife and children. I can't detach myself from them. When I'm at work, I'm thinking about them, right? I'm thinking about getting home. I will sacrifice my house, my car, my bank account for the greater good of my family. I'd rather sit underneath an olive tree with my wife and children, knowing that I fought for them and I still have them in my life, then live in a mansion knowing I let my family down and I've lost my children and my wife. What's, what, or live in a mansion while my neighbour is on the footpath outside on the road. What have I done? What have I done? What have I allowed to happen? That's what everybody needs to ask themselves. How can you eat your supper? Your supper? How can you eat your meal 
knowing your neighbor is starving. Knowing that you are in a position where you could not only help yourself and your family, but help your neighbor and you did nothing. How do you sleep at night? It's, it's that simple. That's, the, that's, that's my goal, to make sure that my family's safe, but so is my neighbor. You know, and if that if that happens, where I'm targeted by the government for whatever reason, and I do lose my home, and I have no money, I'll get any job. I'll, I'll use the saying, you know, from Top Gun in 1986. You know, I'll fly rubber dog shit out of Hong Kong in order to support my family, where I'm supposed <laughs> to be flying flying fighter jets. I will shovel dog shit off the street in order to make money for my family. God will provide. One door is closed, another door is open. Are you willing to walk through the door that's open? That's the question you've got to ask yourself. It's as simple as that. I'll give up everything, but I will not give up my neighbor. I will not give up my family. That's it. That's my Ooh. whole drive. That's some powerful shit, Romeo. We're only here for a short time, Daniel. We started off this podcast by saying that's what life's about. You know, I want my son and daughter and two daughters that the day they put me in a coffin, say this was a great man who loved us. And I want people when they see my children, they say to them, who's your dad? And they say, Romeo George's good man. Good man. That's what I want. That's my payment. That's my wealth. Because I lost my father five years ago. And every single person that I've ever met after his death that has said to me, who's your dad? And I tell them, they say to me, he was a great man. I might, you know, I don't want to be a millionaire. And my children will walk down the street and people will say to them, your father was a greedy son of a bitch that didn't care about anyone. Because my children, will all the money in the world they'll have, that'll hurt my children, hearing that from people. But my children might not inherit anything from me and have to make their own way in life. But when they meet someone and, and tell them who their father was, they'll say, well, your father was such a top bloke. Your father was such a nice person. They can walk away proud of themselves, feeling good. That's more rewarding than $20 million in a trust fund or $200 million in a trust fund. Trust me, it is more. And that's what I want for my children, to live the rest of their life after I've gone with pride, knowing that when they say my name, People are not going to abuse them. That's, that's, that's more valuable than money. You know? That's the best thing we can do. If all of us can live trying to be the most decent human being possible, your name will live on forever. It just will. That's how you really build a legacy, right? That's right. You build a legacy by by standing for something, 
helping as many people as you can along the way and leaving it, leaving it better than, than when you got it. Isn't that our job? It, that is our job. And I, and I think that that got has been, is lost. I believe that that's been lost. You know, we, we do worry about the materials too much. We do worry about, you know, what kind of car we drive, our credit score, the house, the clothes, how we look on Instagram. And we forget that, like, the meaning to life is, like, what good is it to have all of those things if you don't share it with anybody? Exactly. You know, like, I, 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 I've achieved, you know, a certain amount of success in my life. And, and early on, while I was, you know, pursuing football, I was so tunneled vision and I, I kept so many people away from me because they were distractions and I needed to be so focused and I started achieving and achieving. And I, and I got to a point where I started achieving things that I always wanted to achieve, but I didn't have anybody really around me to, to share that joy with. And it was just like, why, like, what good is this if I don't have somebody that I love with me to enjoy this? If I don't have all of my friends and my circle with me to enjoy this, like, what good is this? Uh, and so, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to tell you this way. I've always loved motorbikes, okay? Um, now, my father never liked motorbikes, and, 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 as, and when he was alive, um, I never owned a motorbike, but it was this, um, this thing in me that I always wanted a motorbike. So after that passed away, I went and got my motorbike license and I got myself a motorbike and I went for my first ride and it was great. It's really, really good. It was like, I finally did it. I'm riding a motorbike. The second ride was okay. On the third ride, I said to my wife, would you like to go on the back with me? She said, no, I don't like it. I begged her. She said, no, this is something for you. This is something for you to enjoy. I don't like, you know, I'm scared and I don't want to be on the back of a motorbike. I sold that motorbike straight away. Within three or four days, I had sold the motorbike. My wife said to me, why'd you do it? I said, because I wanted something. I thought it was going to be a lot more special than what it was. But if you're, if this thing scares you and you're not going to share this with me, I did not marry you and start a family with you so I can go ride a motorbike on my own. Okay? That's why I don't want a Ferrari because a Ferrari is only two seats. So when... I'm in that Ferrari and everybody's looking at me <laughs> and saying, wow, he's got a Ferrari. It, to me, it's like, where's my children? Where's my wife? I can't fit them in this thing. What is it? What's the point? You know, I always say to people, you dream of something and you, and, and you work so hard for it. And once you get it, what then? It's not about getting the, it's not about actually having it. It's about trying to get it. That's where the enjoyment is. It's the process of getting there. Yeah. yeah. 
because you worked so hard to become an NFL player. Once you got there and you you loved it, that's when you realize, okay, where, where are all my friends? Where are all the people that I had to push away in order to get here? But had, I don't know, maybe had you allowed a few of them in, they would have enjoyed the ride with you. They yeah. would have, you know, you, you, you know, it was, that's the way I see things. I think that that's a very valuable lesson for, for us younger people that are listening to this right now. Uh, we get so caught up and wanting to get to a destination, achieving, um, and especially ambitious people that like want, you know, whether it's money or a task or a goal or whatever it is, you get so driven and so focused towards getting it that you, you forget, you don't, well, one, you probably don't have the experience or the foresight to understand that once you get it, what then? And if you don't have people with you, then you're not going to really be satisfied because ultimately like life is about the relationships that you have and not the titles that you gained or the money that you have. Mm -hmm. And I've been fortunate enough through my life for whatever reason to always be kind of drawn to older people. Like I've always like older men, older women, I've always been drawn to them to like, want to like learn from them. And I think that that's something that has also been lost in our society is the respect for our elders. And there's a, there's a reason why there is that saying to respect your elders, because you know, there may be a guy, there may be some 50 year old, 60 year old, maybe he's not as successful as you monetarily, you know, wasn't as good of an athlete, not as good of a businessman, this, that, or the other. But that experience that they've lived through life, the mistakes that they've made in life, the things that they've able, been able to see and, and from that, from that uh, 50 years out, 60 years out, if you actually take the time to get to know them, to get the time to actually absorb some of their wisdom and knowledge, you can learn those things. You could learn you could learn from other people's mistakes and not have to repeat them yourselves. Yes. Uh, that's, 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 uh, I'm exactly like you. That's 100% right. My most fond memories were sitting with my grandfather, you know, just listening to his stories, listening to what he's been through, the jokes, the humor, you know, um, my grandfather was not as successful as my father, but my grandfather was successful because while my father made millions of dollars, my grandfather raised eight children in a time of famine. Right. That is success. <laughs> yeah. It's easy to make money when the whole world is peaceful and everybody's making money. But to be able to support your family in a time of famine and war, to learn that ability to survive from somebody that's been through it is priceless. It's priceless. Mm-hmm. You know? And I learned a lot from my grandfather. I, I think I, I learned the idea of detaching myself from materialistic things from my grandfather. Because I remember he said to me once, when he first got married, they had no house. They were living in a little shack. 
and he was happy. And then he built the house, you know, and he was telling me never, never fall in love with a brick. Fall in love with a human because <laughs> the brick will not love you back. The brick, you can sell it. You can make money from it. Never fall in love with anything that can make you money because it has a limit on its price. Fall in love with a human that is priceless, that as much as you pour love into that person is as much love as you get back. doesn't matter how much you pour love into your money. It's not going to love you back. And, and, and that'll lead you. I'm going to bring up a very certain point. Have you noticed how all these rich, rich, multi, multi-million dollar celebrities are hammered by the media when they make a mistake? Like, he's a looney tune. He's lost the, he's lost the plot. Look at that, you know? He's yeah. gone off. You know why that happens? To me, I believe it happens because of this. He has concentrated so much on becoming this top actor. Emmy award-winning actor, you know, Oscar-winning actor. He's reached the pinnacle. He's at the top of the mountain, right? What then? I can buy everything I see. I can have it. What then? It starts, it's, it's a chemical imbalance in the brain. When you get to a point in life when you have so much money that you can buy everything you see, something happens in your brain you do actually become unstable. Well, wait, you, know? you lose, you lose almost, you lose perspective. A sense of reality. Yeah, you lose a sense of reality because there's no longer, you no longer have the struggle of needing to earn a living or to work towards thing or, or needing people. Because when you make enough money, you don't need anybody anymore. You could just yes. buy shit or pay someone to do it. Yep, you know, absolutely. Um, and we're not talking about people that are worth 10, 20, 30, 50 million. We're talking about these celebrities that are worth, you know, up to a billion dollars. Right. You know, we've seen Mel Gibson, uh, you know, a great American actor, um, uh, a great Australian actor, you know, Mel Gibson, he, he went through it. He went through it. I, I believe he struggled with the fact of his wealth. He became lonely, and that led to alcoholism. That led to drug abuse. I'm glad that he's able to fix himself up. Um, he made a lot of mistakes, but those mistakes are based on the fact that he was detached from reality because of his position. And so many others like him. You know? Well, I think acting, too, is, is a slippery slope because – especially when you're a, when you really are in the moment when you're a good actor and you really dive into a character when you have to dig into some of those dark emotions like you have to really go to that place and if you have you know if you're on set for a month two three months whatever it is and you're in that dark emotion you're in an altered emotion like it's hard to get out of that and you think yeah. about a guy like Mel Gibson, who's so brilliant and talented as, as an actor and all the different roles that he's played to, to do that, to go there, you know, to go to the, the deepest, darkest recesses of like your, your essence. And then on top of it, you're famous, 
you have unlimited money, right? Like yep. what? Like that's it's that's a hard gig. It is. It is. You know. Um, good luck to them. They've got more money than they want to do with. But <laughs> I believe I'm the richest man on earth. There is nothing like coming home to a bunch of screaming kids, whether they're fighting with each other. I mean, I'm going to be open and honest with you. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to make enough money to have the life that I want and to be able to send my families, my family overseas on holidays nearly every year. Okay. Uh, but every time I do, I always send them first because I need to stay here to tie up a few things, make a little bit more money before following them over. And that's usually between two weeks to four weeks. And every, now everyone says to me, why, you know, why do you get so upset? You're, you know, your family's, they're going on holidays and you're following them. Every time I say goodbye to them at the airport and I need to come back home, the second I get back to in, into my home, I walk into my bedroom, me and my wife's bedroom, and I sit on the side of the bed and Daniel, I cry, and I'm the biggest failure on earth. And my wife always says to me, why do you do that? I said, because if I was truly successful, I would not have to stay back to make a little bit more money to cover the cost of the holiday that, we, that I sent you on and I had to follow you. And she just says to me, that is the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> right. And it is absurd. It, it's stupid. And I hate myself. But it's not because, you know, I feel I'm a failure because I, I feel as though at that particular point, my life is about my family. I need to be with them all the time. doesn't matter where they are. You know? So then I sort of talk common sense to myself and say, hey, be grateful. There's a lot more people, you know, that are really struggling out there. You're being stupid. And then I get back to what I have to do and I'm, then I follow them over. But that's, that's my mentality. My family, if I'm not with them, if they're not around me, I'm a failure. My bank account might be empty and I'm still a success as long as my family is around me. My bank account might have millions of dollars in it and I can't see my kids. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I think that that's I wish a very, everybody could be that way. I think that that's a very important lesson for, or, or message for men out there to hear right now, because I think, I think men need to hear that. I think men need to, to, to embrace being a man. And there's a time in a man's life when they become a father and like what is required of a man changes. And like you said, your family, I don't, I don't have kids. I'm not a father. So like, I don't, I don't know that yet, but like, I hear that from you as like an older man who is a father. And like, I just think like, man, that's, I, I don't know you. I don't, you know, I don't know you other than this podcast and following you on Instagram, but from, this conversation and hearing how you care about your family. I'm like, I'm glad 
that there's a like a human out in the world like you. I'm glad that there's men like you in the world. And I, I just hope that more men see this, That's hear this. That's my goal, Daniel, because I believe there's many, many people out there just like me. I'm nothing special. I am absolutely nothing special. I believe there's a lot, millions and millions of people out there, billions of people out there that are just like me. My goal is to find them. My goal is to wake them up. My, my goal is to make them move. Then we can achieve something. All right? And I'll tell you something. As happy as you are right now, Daniel, in your life, right? I kid you not. The second you hold your child in your hand, you will forget everything. You will think your life did not exist beyond this moment. The, the, the happiness that a child can give you, whether it be adopted or your own, is there is no amount of money, there is no amount of joy in life that could match it. Nothing. Uh, I, I, I still remember the second my son was born, the second my daughter was born and my third, the second daughter was born. It, I close my eyes and it seems like it, it, it's a feeling. It's a feeling of, wow. What have I created with my partner? What a responsibility. What an honor. And all I did was take that feeling and put it to looking at my neighbor and fellow Australians and saying, wow, how lucky are we? You know, how privileged are we? Let's not lose this. Let's not allow these people to take away this honor of living. You know, let's stop them. And that's what it's about. The vaccine, coronavirus, everything that I fought for, for the farmers, you know, um, for the fire affected communities. Everything that I have tried to do and every person that I've tried to help, the feeling that I got from it was just like the first time I held my newborn son in my arm. That's, that's how I compare it to. Knowing that farmer's going to be okay because he got some hay to feed his livestock. Knowing that family that had their house burnt down and they had a delivery of water and food and some sort of housing to get them through. That was a wow moment. Um, and seeing people waking up to the lies of COVID and getting messages from people saying, Romeo, you're giving us hope. You're giving us strength. That is a wow moment. That's, a, that's what I'm doing it for. I'm doing it because... I am getting more satisfaction out of helping others get through their hardship than anything else. I could stay quiet, Daniel, but what's the point? What's the point? Where's the satisfaction in, in that? There's no satisfaction in that. There's no love in that. You know, if I can teach people to love each other, if I can, you can't teach someone, you can show them. And hopefully they can pick up that sense and then 
they themselves start doing it. You show right? them by loving them. Yeah. You know, I, I remember when I, the bushfires happened and I was sitting in the back veranda and I said to my wife, tomorrow I'm waking up, I'm buying $200 worth of bottled water and I'm driving down to the fire affected communities and I'm going to pass these bottles of water out to the people. Only $200, that's all. So I drove to the local service station, bought $200 worth of bottled water and had no idea where I was heading. I just said, right, that's where the bushfires are. That's where I'm going. And I drove. And as I'm driving, my phone rings and it's somebody from the fire affected community because I had just done a live saying, look, guys, I don't know where I'm going. I've got $200 worth of water, but I'm just going. They said, Romeo, we're here. Her name's um, Paula. I'm still very good friends with her right now. We work a lot together. She said, you can deliver the water here and I'll help you distribute it. We did that. And that in turn caused the ripple effect because I said to people, guys, it's not hard to help. It's not hard. Look how easy it is. Right. And that led to, no, I kid you not, about two and a half million dollars worth of water and food being distributed all along the fire affected communities. We got to a point, Daniel, where we had organizers calling me saying, Romeo, we cannot handle the amount of stuff that's arriving. We have too much. We have nowhere to store it. And it started by $200 worth of bottled water. Why? I showed people, look what we can do. And I'm using that example right now with COVID. And I reminded everybody that it wasn't the Australian government that did what we did. We did it. The Australian people, we stood together. We, we delivered nappies and baby wipes and energy drinks and water and canned food and bread. Everything people needed. We did it. And just like with COVID now, we the people will stand up shoulder to shoulder and help the ones to stand up, the ones that can't. We will grab them by their armpits and lift them up. And that's why I believe we're winning. So many people here in Australia, we're talking about a nation of 25 million, hand on the Bible and hand on my heart, that I believe more than half now have awoken. And the government is in a lot of trouble. Damn, and it just, dude. It's not me. It's, and I tell everyone, it's not me. I'm just an idiot that talks too much. <laughs> but you guys listen. You know? yeah. no dude that's like the power of 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 that's the power of one small step you know yeah. of one a one one you know the the power of a small good deed one one little deed you know turns like you said a ripple effect yeah and yeah, you know hopefully if people take away anything from this podcast is that believe in yourself believe in yourself believe in each other Believe in each other and that you can make a difference. Right. You, you can, even if you just help one person, you don't know what that could lead to. And not to rely on our government to help us, not rely on someone else to help us. We can help ourselves right here, right now. We can look out for each other right here, right now. 
that that should be the goal of of a healthy society is that you don't need someone to come in and bail you out and help you out. You all help and bail each other out. Exactly. But you know, there's a ripple effect to that. Like Daniel, you could be walking down the street right now and see somebody fall over. And you reach down to pick him, pick that person up to help them get on their feet. You physically have helped one person. But there is a person across the road who has lost faith in humanity and is just about to commit suicide and sees Daniel reach his hand out to offer help to another human being. That person sees that and says, hold on a minute. There are still good human beings in this world. I'm not going to kill myself today. You've helped two people. You've helped one that you know of. And you've helped one that you didn't know you even helped. But that's how it is. And I know that, and I'm telling you why I know this, is because while I was helping the rural communities, while I was helping the fire-affected communities, I was being abused so bad by trolls that I got to a point where I was going to shut it all down and walk away. Then I got a letter, not, not a physical letter, but on my phone, a message. I'm not going to say who the person was, but basically he said to me, I was about to put a bullet in my brain. I've got two kids and I was about to give up. And I was going to write on Facebook a message to say goodbye to everyone. And your post came up. And you made me laugh so much that I started to look for another post. And then he spent eight hours watching my videos and forgot to put a bullet in his brain. And he said, thank you, Romeo. You saved my life. I didn't do that. I was too busy cracking jokes and entertaining people while trying to raise money to help the farmers in the rural communities and the bushfire affected people. <laughs> wow. I still talk to him to this day. <sighs> you know? And there's been and, and that's the that that's why I do what I do. So to the trolls, enjoy yourself. I hope you, you know, enjoy what you do because I really enjoy what I do. <laughs> you know? That's so that gave, dude, no, that I gave me. This, I hope this now, Daniel, has led to a good, a good friendship. You know, maybe yeah. me and you could rebuild the uh, the ties between America and Australia again. You know, especially considering Scott Morrison spoke to Biden without Biden being actually the president of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's interesting. <laughs> All right, um, mate. What? Is, <sighs> So we didn't talk, and I wanted to talk about this. We haven't talked about it. And I hate, because we, we were on this positive train. We were on this positive train and all this good emotion, and I'm just like, I, I have fucking goosebumps from this, from that story. But I, we had, you brought it up about the vaccines, and we, I, got, uh, I can't talk to you and not talk to you about the vaccines. Yeah. What is your thought process? on the vaccines being ushered out. And more importantly, the, the, the fact that you're hearing all of this, uh, talk, not just about the vaccines, but that there is potential man mandatory policies in terms of whether getting back to the workplace, being able to travel on airplanes, 
having certain stores might not let you in there if you don't have some sort of uh, proof of vaccination. Yeah, my thoughts on that is this. Firstly, I want to, I always state first to let everybody know, uh, I don't know what you, in America, what they call them, but here in Australia, they call them anti-vaxxers, right? Same. I am not an anti-vaxxer. I have been vaccinated. My children have been vaccinated and so has my wife. Same. I am against anti-poisoning. Okay? Now, all the vaccines that have been given from birth have been, uh, it's taken a process of between 15 to 25 years of research in, outer, in, in order to allow this vaccine to come out onto the market. I have no problem with that. What m opened my eyes to, the, to this vaccine is that um, polio took 25 years to make. Okay. Also here in Australia, we had a vaccine company that spent 19 years. It started researching the, the SARS virus and then stopped. But there's 19 years worth of research, not just on animals, but on humans as well. And it rated by the health organization, seven out of seven as being safe with no side effects. An Australian company in South Australia. Our government here in Australia said, no, we're not using that vaccine. We are going to push the Pfizer vaccine, which was developed in nine months, hasn't been tested on humans up until now. They're actually, in, they're not vaccinating us. They're using us as guinea pigs. I'm against this vaccine because there's not enough research behind it. There has not been positives, enough positives or enough negatives to show whether this is going to be beneficial to the human race or not. This vaccine is being promoted as the cure to coronavirus and in the same, uh, same paragraph are saying it will not, stop the, will not stop you from getting the coronavirus it will not stop you from passing the coronavirus onto someone else. <laughs> yeah. So why are you forcing us? If it's not the cure, why are you forcing us to have it? Okay. That, the hypocrisy that... is unbelievable. How are they going to mandate something if the people, the majority of the people saying, no, I'm not going to take it. Okay. How are companies going to survive by taking on this mandatory policy when they will lose anywhere between 50 to 70% of their workforce? How will airlines survive when they will lose 50 to 70% of their customers? Eventually, it will be the companies and the airlines that will turn on the government and say, look, 70% of our workforce and 70% of our, our clientele are not doing business with us anymore and are not working for us anymore. We're going to go broke. We can't do this anymore. So allow their threats to work, to turn on them. And the only way we're going to do this is by standing together. Mm -hmm.
We have survived nine months, Daniel, without a COVID cure, without the vaccine. People have gotten it and survived. In other words, this, this tells me this is nothing more than a very severe case of the flu. So why not take a flu shot? It does the same thing. So where does that lead me down to? Somewhere, someplace along the line, there is somebody making a shitload of money from this at the expense of the blood of our children. That's what it is. Well, I'm willing we- to take the vaccine and die. I'm not willing to allow my son to take the vaccine and I, because if I lose my son, I have nothing to live for. If I lose my daughters, I have nothing to live for. If I lose my wife, I have nothing to live for. Well, you want me to take a vaccine that doesn't work, doesn't do anything. Well, that's it's already like the, killed 83 people in England. What, the vaccination? Yes, three days later. But the English government is saying, no, these elderly that died had nothing to do with coronavirus and vaccination. <laughs> what? Why would you stop a vaccine that has been trialed and proven to be clean and effective in order to to mass vaccinate people with a vaccine that's taken nine months to develop with no advantage or disadvantage research to it? Nothing at all. They're learning as they go and they're using us. You know, Donald Trump is talking about a vaccine, a herbal vaccine. And I'd like to point one simple thing in Donald Trump's speech about the vaccine. So all the left that are saying Donald Trump is pushing the vaccine. And I quote, he who feels unwell, go to the hospital and get treated. Isn't that the normal thing to do? Yeah, you that's feel unwell, you go to the doctor and you get treated. I mean, that's how I've always lived my life. That's how everyone I've ever known has lived their life. What's what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? You want to bring this vaccine out, bring it out. But our rights as human beings to decide whether we want to take this or not should not dictate how, whether we get a job, whether we are allowed to shop somewhere, whether we are allowed to travel, whether we are allowed to go to school that has nothing to do with it. Yeah. There's, so there's, we're, we're on the cusp of a, of a very slippery slope of someone telling, mandating what you have to do with your body. Right. You know, like telling me what I'm going to inject in my body, what I have to put in my body, especially it's like you said, the, there, there is a flu virus and people still get the flu. People still die from the flu after getting the flu vaccination. It, it yeah. would make sense that when the flu, when this vaccine, if this vaccine came out, that you mandated that the initial batch that comes out goes to the elderly and the people that have pre-existing conditions. That would make sense. You get the virus to the people that need it. But young, healthy people... What, what are you giving a virus or the vaccination to? Children? Actually, like, you're right. No, no, no. You're right, Daniel. You're giving them the virus because that's what it's doing. 
Right. It's actually giving them corona. Well, that that's what the flu shot is. It gives you a weakened or, or killed version of the virus. I'm 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 not an anti-vaxxer either, but I don't believe in vaccination. Like the flu shot, in, I don't believe. I shouldn't say I don't believe in vaccination. I don't believe in the flu shot. I believe it. I believe that you should expose yourself to as many germs and, and airborne whatever that you can so that your body can build an immunity to it. And as long as you're you're sleeping properly, drinking water, eating healthy, exercising your body, you're, you're going to be able to defend and fight off any sickness that comes your way. Absolutely. I, and I know this because I've been I, I've studied nutrition for 21 years now. I, I know the effect of of a well-balanced diet and a, an exercise program does on the human body. And I I think it's very uh, uh, I, another skeptical hat needs to come on when since the beginning of this virus, not one new study has come out about the benefit of exercise and nutrition. No oh, one has taught. No one is talking about the importance of eating properly, sleeping properly, physical and mental health. No one is talking about, they're just talking about vaccine, vaccine, vaccine. But they're, they're, no one's putting out workout programs. Well, the, government's, the government's not talking about eating right, drinking water, getting good sleep, your mental health. Think about, think about this. Mental illness has skyrocketed. Su rates oh, of suicide, rates of suicide, and depression and substance abuse have skyrocketed and have out have outkilled coronavirus deaths. Yeah, in and nobody's Victoria, talking about that. Yeah, in Victoria, Victorians tell me that cocaine flows through the streets like water. Cocaine. Nobody's right. talking about. Right. Because they're at home, bored out of their brains. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen. Me make, you know. Substances like drugs are the easiest fix to distract yourself. Yeah. Crack open a beer, smoke a joint, sniff a line. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's easy fix. I'm no longer depressed. Yeah. But the come down's a motherfucker. Uh, it's that's what leads to suicide. Right. Well, and, and social isolation, yeah. uh, stress of your financial situation, losing your house, losing your job, not being able to provide for your family, having to make decisions between paying rent and buying groceries. Like that's real world shit that nobody's talking about. Of course. Being a fam, have being, be, imagine being a father, which is e yeah. obviously easy for you to do. And yeah. And, and, and not, and not being sure if you're going to be able to put food on the table or keep a roof on over your family's head. Yes. Imagine and how that. do the left and how did the left answer that kind of question? Food stamps. <laughs> right. Well, we, we know that anybody who looks through the lens of, uh, of truth and is not biased, right. Which is. Okay, I know it's nearly impossible not to be biased, but when you're as objective as you possibly can and you look at things, the they prey on the poor. They pour they prey on the weak and and they offer to give them a handout for their vote, but they only hand out just enough to keep them hooked. 
it's very similar to a pimp or a drug dealer. Absolutely. We have it here in Australia where they started handing out $1,500 a fortnight to stay at home. It was called job keeper and job seeker. Right? Slowly they're dropping the amount of money they're giving out. Yeah. But the people are hooked now on getting their payments. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are angry that have yeah. legitimately lost their business and tell them even $1,500 a fortnight, it's not enough for me to survive. No. That's right? the same here. Nobody's talking about, Pete, I'm going to tell you this. A Victorian couple who had a very successful business and were living the high life, beautiful house, beautiful cars, beautiful children, their business collapsed. They could not keep up with the mortgage repayments to this luxurious life that they have created for themselves because of the business they had, they were able to make the mortgage repayments. Right. Okay. They were able to make the car repayments. When that stopped and the bank kept applying the pressure, their answer to their reaction to that pressure was to drop their two children's off, two children off at their parents' house, at the grandparents' house. Get into this car, drive to a park where the husband shot his wife and then shot himself. This only happened a few months ago. Damn. The media only reported murder-suicide. Not the reason why it happened. Nothing at all. Just murder-suicide. Husband shot his wife and shot himself. And that, that, that's the most, that's the most, that's the scariest and most disappointing thing is that we're being mandated to stay home, mandated not to able, like we're not able to make a living and, and, and keep the standard of living that we're used to because we have to stay home, but then we're not being supplemented. And then not only are we not being supplemented financially, but then when we are in, you know, when we are in that position where we're not able to make the rent payment, we're not able to make the mortgage payment, the bank does not have any sympathy. The bank has no, ha, does not care whether or not you can make the payment or not because the government told you you're not allowed to work. The bank says, fuck you, pay me. Yep. And, That's right. And the government is doing nothing about that. And that's oh, why... We and that's why you're starting to see in this country, in America, you're starting to see small business owners starting to stand up. You're starting to see small business owners get mad and you're starting to see them starting to speak up and talk. And there there's, I'm seeing people defy the government and opening up their business and they're getting fined, crazy fines, $15,000 a day, $25,000 a day. They're being fined by these governors, but they're staying open. Because, listen, if you don't do it, then the, the government, when your business goes under, the government isn't going to give you, they're not going to give you a check to reopen. They're going to tell you, get a job at Amazon, get a job at Walmart. Exactly. They're not going to, they're not going to help you. They're not going to help you get your life savings back, your life work back. You're just going to be out of a business. So if you don't stand up for yourself, and more importantly, if you don't start spending especially right now this is important for everybody listening 
It's the holidays. It's Christmas. You're going to buy shit. You shouldn't buy shit because you don't need material possessions, but you're going to buy shit because you've been conditioned to do it. But if you are going to buy shit, buy from small businesses. Buy from your friends. Buy from people that you know that have, whether it's, whether it's they have an online shop, whether they have a local business, buy from them. Help your community. Do not help Jeff Bezos. He, he does, does not need your exactly. money. Exactly. Don't buy toys online. Go to a toy shop. Yes. Okay? I, I go to the markets, and, and if I can't get to the markets, I buy from my fruitery in my area. Yet across the road, we have Coles, which is like Walmart in America. We have Coles. I could go in there and buy my fruit and vegetables from there, but I'll go across the road to the fruiterer and support him because he's supporting eight workers. Right. Okay? And I've been pushing that here in Australia. But here's another thing that the government seems to want to look like they're helping, but they're not. Here in Australia, they said when Qantas laid off its workers because of no flights. They said, don't worry, Woolworths and Coles and Franklin's and all these supermarkets are going to hire these flight attendants and pilots to work there until we get everything back up and running again. And everybody went, wonderful. The truth is 17-year-old boys and girls that were doing part-time work there to make some extra money, whether a university student was working there at night packing shelves to make his, to make some money to pay his student fees, these these young people were sacked in order to allow these people from Qantas to come in and work there. And I know this firsthand. A young boy who's studying accounting, a very uh, bright young man, was packing shelves at night. He was laid off because they could not pay him and pay a worker from a major company that stopped working. So they laid him off. Nobody talked about that. You know? They're just good at, you know, smoke and mirrors and making themselves look good. But the reality is for you to pretend that you're providing work for people who have been laid off and at the same time sacking people from the, that were already doing that work, you're just shifting the unemployment from all one right. company to another. That's all you're well, doing. It's just virtue signaling, you know what I mean? You're just... Sure. You're just projecting to the world that you're really looking out for people. But in reality, you're looking out for yourself. You're just disguising it because you don't want that. Because you know what you're doing. This coronavirus, Daniel, has been used as a cover-up here in Australia to pass a lot of laws that are illegal, Mm -hmm. okay, without us knowing. The worst one out of the lot, there's two really bad ones. In Victoria, they've signed, well, um, New South Wales, they've, Put through a put through a, a ballad that says, if the Australian government needs foreign forces to control its people, it's allowed to. So they basically said that we can have a foreign army invade us, and doesn't matter what they do to us, they're not liable. 
They could kill us, rape our women, pillage our... And they're not liable. This has been passed through. So I've said to every Australian, unless it's an Australian police officer or an Australian man in an Australian uniform, a registered Australian soldier, it is your God-given right and under the Constitution, you are to fight this person. This is an invader of our nation. Now, I've been accused of incitement. That's not incitement when you state the fact. This is a foreign entity invading your land. Huh. Right? Second thing that was passed under the disguise of COVID, bailout laws. Did you know that here in Australia now, if our banks are going to go broke, they can take, without asking us, half our savings now a lot of people say oh you know and i had one friend of mine who's worth about 40 million dollars say to me yeah you know what can you do I said what do you mean I said mate i've only got a few thousand dollars in the bank and if the bank takes it it's no skin off my nose it's not that much that i'm going to lose but you're worth 40 million would you like the bank to come along and take 20 million? Right. He said, no. I said, well, that's what's going to happen. He said, are you serious? I said, yeah. He goes, half wealth will just go. I said, yeah, absolutely. Half of your wealth is gone in a split second. He said, we need to do something about this. I said, <laughs> exactly. Stand yes. the fuck up. Yes, we do. Yes, we do need to do something about it. I feel like a lot of liberties are being infringed upon around the world during this. I, I feel That's like why I have a lot of respect for you Americans because you hold on to your constitution like it's a Bible. Yes. I and, and that's under attack people, especially over the past four years, people have been attacking the constitution. People within our country have been trying to attack the second amendment, the first amendment, and there, it's just like, listen, the, the first, one of the reasons that, one of the things that makes the, America such a great country are the first and the second amendment. Not, yes. we, we have, we are extremely lucky to be born here in the United States to have the first amendment, to have freedom of speech. The majority of the countries in the world do not have that. Yes. And the importance of the second amendment is to protect the first amendment. Our constitution here in Australia is not actually built on the British constitution. It's actually built. It's a, it's taking samples of, uh, taking segments of the American constitution. Right. We, that's what I'm trying to tell the Australians. We have just as much power as the Americans because our constitution is built upon the basis of American constitution. Right. Stand I, up. Just like I, the Americans. Yeah. People say we're crazy, right? They, they say crazy Americans, you know, they're, 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 they're so like, uh, they're so headstrong in their independence, but it's like, well, first of all, that's what this country was built on. And that's what has, you know, our founding fathers had the foresight to see, you know, one, they lived during a time of dictators they live during a time of kings and queens and they've had that's a what large made america what's that that's what made america the first right. nation in the world to stand up and say it doesn't matter if you're a king or queen everyone is equal yes 
That's what made that's that's why America grew so quickly. Everybody wanted to go to a place like the Irish, you know, and and, and you know the Irish and uh, massive influence influx of Irish settlers in America. Why? Because they were ruled by by royals. Yes. And and this idea of owning land and being free to speak your mind without being prosecuted. Wow, let's go to America. But this, so this is the thing. There is a duty. There, there is a. It, it's there is a duty to uphold that. There, there is a tax as an as a citizen of the United States. You you get taxed whatever energy and effort that it takes to have to stand up to someone who is willing to infringe upon your rights. And. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. You know what's crazy that I find? I find that a lot of immigrants that come here actually are more passionate about upholding the constitution than third, fourth, fifth generation Americans that, that live here that have become almost ungrateful or entitled and almost have no concept of why it is that they live in such a great place. But then you see people, you know, first generation immigrants coming over here and being like so passionate about defending the Constitution. Because when you don't have something and you finally have it, you protect it with your life. Yeah. When you have come from a place of persecution to a place of peace, you protect it with your life. But if you are born in a place of peace and prosperity, right, as parents as human beings, it is our duty to teach the next generation of what life would be like without this peace and prosperity and, you know, what it took to get us here. We're not teaching that anymore, right? We're not, we're not teaching our children about the atrocities that was, that was uh, put down on our um, forefathers and what they had to work through mm-hmm. in, order, in order for this generation to have the privileges that they have. I believe that our generation don't know. There's, there's a generation now that have no idea what it took to make both Australia and America great. So I don't know how it is in Australia, but I, I have a friend who's a, uh, he's a middle school teacher and mm-hmm. They don't teach history, at least in, in, in North Carolina or South Carolina, I think it is. So yeah. I know there each 
each state has a different school board. They're a little bit different here in the United States. But I know that it's probably not too much different from state to state. In South Carolina, they do not teach history until you get to middle school, until you get to sixth, seventh grade. So kindergarten to fifth grade, you don't ever learn about the history of your country. You don't learn about the history of the world because it's not testable. They don't. They don't put it on the SAT. They don't put it on any type of test for you to get into college. So they don't deem it as important. <laughs> yeah, basically. Great. Well, here it's pretty much the same. We don't. They don't really start teaching a history until you get to middle school. Uh, but what they have done now, the Communist Greens Party is infiltrate our universities and our schools. We're now from year one through to year six, which is primary school here. They're actually teaching about, uh, it's called uh, sexual equality, you know, where, you know, it's okay to, you know, for a boy to be want to be known as a girl, you know, even though his mind has not developed yet. He doesn't even know who he is. Right. But if this young boy plays with dolls and puts on a dress, um, and he wants to be called, you know, if 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 Daniel wants to be called Daniela, you know, yeah, let's do that. Uh, no, this kid, you're pushing something upon him that he himself does not understand. You are child abusing. This is child abuse. Yeah. But it's accepted, right? I understand that a uh, a man who's 20, 21, 22, if he believes that he's a woman and wants to go down that road, he's now a mature adult, adult that can make decisions for himself. I don't understand why you're telling a six-year-old that uh, if he wants to be a girl, it's okay, but he's a boy. Right. Yeah, that... His to, brain, you know, this is what's been taught at our schools now. Yeah, there that that's over here as well, where it's being that's being uh, normalized. That you know, you you see extreme you see extreme cases where parents are actually lo- blocking puberty for for men or women, young boys or young girls, because they want to be the other sex, and they're you know eight, nine, ten years old, and you know maybe they're. Maybe, you know, maybe they do have those thoughts at nine years old, right? Like, I, I, I don't know, but may, let, let's just say that they do have those thoughts at nine years old. You're going to make a permanent decision. You know, you're going to make an irreversible decision that is going to affect this person for the rest of their life before they ever fully develop their cognitive abilities. And if you sit down inside of the child, for example, listen, son. Or listen, you know, my child, I think you're too young right now to be thinking of these things. I just want you to enjoy being a child. And if you still feel this way in a few years' time, we'll sit down and discuss it. But right now, concentrate on being a child. Concentrate on enjoying your life and making friends, right? I'm here for you. I'm here to talk to you and understand what you're going through, try to help you through it. But I believe that you're just too young to be dealing with this right now. You can get into trouble for doing that. You know? Why? 
I'm not saying I'm against it. I'm not saying that, you know, all I'm saying is I want my child to be a child. Right. And when there is a time and place for everything, but, you know, in order to get the kind of population you want, you need to start grooming from a young age. And that's why I call this child abuse, right? People like this should be arrested because there's also grooming in pedophilia where pedophiles groom young children. Yes. This is the same thing except by the government, right? Grooming should be illegal. That's what I believe in no. all types, in any situation. I grooming agree. somebody uh, is a form of abuse. Yeah, it's mental manip it's mental abuse because you're meant you're manipulating vulnerable, impressionable uh, beings, right? Like children. There's a reason why it's if you're a child abuser and you're in jail, like amongst the criminals, amongst the most foul of us. If you're a child abuser, you're the worst of the worst. And there's a reason for that because the, because we understand the innocence and the vulnerability of the youth, and that must be protected because our youth is our future. And if and if you can brainwash our youth, if you can manipulate our youth, then you start manipulating what we look like 15 years, 25 years down the road. And I think young kids, I think young kids already have it hard enough right now in this world, right? With, with technology, with all the things that they get exposed to, the world is already tough enough. We, we don't need to be, we don't need to be forcing like, uh, forcing gender identity onto them. Right. We've what, what, what happened to being, you know, every, we're actually gone the opposite way. We used to teach our children to be um, independent, to be free thinkers, to not be, to not suffer under peer pressure. I believe we have a society now where a child comes home and says to his mum, you know, and the mum says to him, what'd you do today? And he says, my friends jumped off a bridge. You know, there was a time that parents said to their kids, if your friends jump off a bridge, do you do the same? Now it's like, what did your friends do today? And you say, mum, my friends jumped off a bridge. And she'll say to them, why didn't you jump off the bridge? We're heading in the opposite direction here. Right. We have to all be the same. I don't I want think, to be the same. I don't want my children to be the same. I think that that, I think this stems from, uh, there's just, there's foul play in the world. I, I think people see, I think people see, you know, especially with here, you know, here in America and to what was it? 2014 when gay marriage was legalized. Right. And there was like a major acceptance of the gay community. And then that started leading into a larger acceptance and being more tolerant of the LGBTQ community, which is like, in my opinion, like, that's great. You know what I mean? Like let's be inclusive. Let's be tolerant. Right. But then, it just kept going further and further power. I, I felt like, or I feel like people look at that as an opportunity to prey on people's empathy, prey on people's caring and to manipulate them, to get and gain more power, 
So whether it's controlling speech, whether it's controlling how you act, whether it's like being able to manipulate somebody to transforming their sexual identity against their will. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you stand up and speak about it, you're a homophobe. Yep. I'm not yep. a homophobe. Yeah, people will listen to this. People will listen to this and they will say that you and I are transphobic. Really? I, I, I have gay friends. I mean, I, I'm tired of saying it, right? I have friends. Okay? I have friends. But to all these people, I'm going to put it down to this way. Right? Simple as this. Many years ago, if you saw a guy and a girl on the road getting stuck into each other, you know, he's got his hand on her, you know, up a in between her legs and all this kind of stuff you'd yell out go get a room right go get a room right now if you um if you see two two homosexuals or two lesbians um doing that on the road and you yell out go get a room you're a homophobe no i'm not a homophobe okay i'm not against gay people I just want a bit of morale. morale. There's, there's morals here. Right. Like there's Decent. no need to jam your tongue down somebody else's tongue, that mouth, in public. There's a time and a place for it. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit of decency. Or two lesbians holding hands while work, walking. But I do have an issue with me and my wife and children walking down through Maryville, and I see two lesbians basically in a sexual act in public there was a time this was immoral and it didn't base it wasn't based on the fact that it was two lesbian people or two heterosexual people it was just immoral right but you need to accept that you need to um you know allow your children to see that right and if you speak up you're against the LBGT community. No, right. I'm not. I'm against immorality. That's what I'm against. Right. I change the channel when I see where we're watching a show and there is a sexual act that's about to happen on a TV show. I change the channel because my children are still too young to be exposed to that kind of stuff. Right. Right. I've never complained about, you know, seeing two gay couple holding hands walking down the street. Never, that doesn't bother me at all. That's normal to them. That, that, that's, that's what people who love each other do. Right. Doesn't based on, it's not based on whether they're gay or not. It's what people that love each other do. They hold each other's hand. Okay. But you're crossing the line when you start to perform sexual acts, okay? A peck on the cheek is not a sexual act. Right. A peck on the lips is not a sexual act. A hug is not a sexual act. But jamming your tongue down another person's throat while groping them in public is a sexual act that has a time and a place for it and not in public. Right. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think that that's a fair, I mean, I think that's a fair gripe. You know, that's, that's basically it. That's, that's the way I see it. So all these people that think I'm a homophobe, 
you can take and shove it up your ass for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also think, I think there's something to people just like people want to, uh, they want to like, there's like some sort of like, there's like some sort of like a reward, mental reward, some sort of serotonin or dopamine reward that comes when you find somebody to like fight online. Right. Like this is my enemy. I'm going to type all of this stuff. Like you're against me. It's like me versus somebody like people need conflict. They're looking for anything to like start a fight. It's just sometimes social media becomes a very toxic place. Social media has opened up the door to a lot of wimps who in real life would not have the guts or the balls to say what they want to say. Yeah. But they'll use a fake identity and a keyboard to pretend they're six foot tall and bulletproof when in real life they are knee high to a grasshopper and could not open a bottle of beer. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just like in, you know, combat sports in rugby league. There was a time where the big fellas would not be intimidated by the little fellas because they knew, the little fellas knew if I put it on this big, he's going to put it on me and I'm going to turn. They implemented a law where no punch ups, you couldn't have a fight. All of a sudden now we have a, we have a rise of these little nuggets that think they can take on a hundred and 130 kilo giant. Right. And that giant has to cop it because he cannot throw a punch. There's no there's no uh, repercussion for your actions anymore. Right? You're a big boy. I know that you're much bigger than me. I could close this screen off, Daniel, and abuse the hell out of you. Right. And you have to cop it. Okay. But in real life, even if there's a curtain between me and you, all you have to do is move the curtain. And I look at you and go, Oh, geez, I, I stuffed up here. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I, you know, it's interesting what people are willing to say in my comment section compared to how people act around me in real life. You know, and not that, and I honestly, I don't really, I, I don't get any, I don't get too much negative. I don't, I don't, I don't really get too much negativity in my comment section. Um, maybe that's, you know, I don't have the largest following in the world. Maybe that will change as my following grows, but for the most part, you know, it's pretty positive, but I do get some people that say some shit where I'm like, bro, you would, you know, you would not say that if I was in front of you. Exactly. You but wouldn't me, say you wouldn't say that if we were in a stadium. I get, I get, yeah, absolutely. I, I get a lot of um, I get a lot of positive, a lot heaps, um, and the comments that are negative, I tend to ignore them now. Um, but it's gotten to a point with me where people are starting to set up hate pages, and I ignore that too. Yeah. You know, well, I mean, but they put stuff up on the just because I like Trump. There are pages that are being made about me because I'm a supporter of Trump. And if Donald Trump, if I ever get to a position on in social media, I think my 
I think these have died. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Um, there we go. Sorry. Let's have a look at that. I think. I still I hear that. you. So, anyway, um, I thought to myself that uh, if if Donald Trump ever saw what um, was being put up about him and his wife on these pages, they've got a lot more to worry about than me. You know, they're putting up sexually explicit pictures of Ivanka, uh, Donald Trump's wife, and, and stuff like Just because I like Donald Trump under the name of Romeo Georges, but it's not me. Right. You know, so... But then, so, so think about that though. Think about, think about how hurt or how miserable of a human being you have to be where you go online and you use, you know, social media, this magnificent tool, one of the greatest tools that humans have ever created. And you use it to smear people, spread hate, to try and tear people down, to try to hurt people, you know, if you're that kind of person miserable online, human beings. you are miserable inside. You are hurting. And like, honestly, what you need is a hug and you need a therapist. Absolutely. And they, and, and, and because I don't respond to them in the way they want, you know, it's, it's the stuff they say and do um, really doesn't affect me. Right. Um, I have, I know what my limits are and as long as they use me as their target, I'm fine, but I hope and pray that they do not start to use my children and my wife because that is crossing the line and that I don't like to think of what I do if that, if that would happen. Right. You know, yeah, there's I would... nothing, there's no social media outlet, no platform that could, that they could hide behind that would stop me from finding them. Yeah, it's probably best to kind of keep your friends and loved ones off your social media. Yeah, that's what I do now. I've gotten rid of all that kind of stuff. Uh, it was a learning curve for me. I'm still learning right now, but um, it's just appalling the hatred that's out there. You know, when all you're trying to do is spread love, it's, that's it. Well, because love love taps into that frequency of hate, right? It it triggers people like it triggers hate. It triggers that negative emotion, uh, out of people because they like someone's so hurt, so damaged when they see somebody that is happy and is spreading joy. Like they need to try and tear you down to make them feel better. Yeah. But it's on you. You know what I mean? It's on the person spreading love to like keep spreading love and to like eventually, you know, pull that person up. Cause like, you just got to realize that that person who's spreading hate is just, they're a five-year-old, right? They're a five-year-old. Their inner five-year-old is out right now throwing a temper tantrum. And like, yep. I don't know what they went through, but they went through something that caused them to act that way. And if you could, if, if you can figure out what it is that, that they went through or whatever's making them feel that way. And we can find a way to connect then like you could, we could almost get rid of the hate. Now that's hard to do when you have X amount of followers and you got people just in your page, like 
you can't be doing that with everybody. But like, that is the thought process. It's just, it's just so hard because the sample size of communication that you get on this site is beyond what you're able to be able to like interact with. You know, you see, you know, we could talk, I'd love to do another podcast uh, with you again, because I think that we're just bouncing off each other because it's not that we think exactly the same, but we've, I, I get a feeling like, you know, there's, we're doing a lot of good. This, this, this is one of them. This is probably the second, uh, podcast that I've been part of that I actually believe can, can, can get a lot of people on board and understand what we're about, you know? So, um, this is good. You know, we can keep going. So, um, I've no. got to, I've got to bring it to an end. Um, today I've got a, I've got another one to do. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Today's a, right now is a perfect time to wrap up. We, I've just realized that we've been rolling for a minute, so we could definitely get together another time. George or Romeo, I, uh, I appreciate you being on, man. I appreciate your time. I appreciate everything that you've been doing and, and all this, all the love you've been putting out there and standing up for the little man and keep doing you and I'll be watching and hopefully, uh, hopefully we do this again soon. Oh, definitely. And I've, I, I want to say, um, ever since you reached out to me, I've, you know, I followed you back and I've been lo- looking at a lot of your stuff. And I must say, um, you keep doing what you're doing, both teaching, preaching about better health and uh, well-being and also talking about what you, the topics that you cover. Um, it just, for me, you keep doing what you're doing and, I, and it just, it's a relief to know that there's somebody out there that's fighting the same fight. So I thank you for that. Hell yeah, man. I appreciate you recognize that. I, re- I think that's why we connected. Yeah, you know. Oh. Plus, it'll be good, you know. If anybody threatened me, I go, go talk to my mate Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> if any, go, I, oh no, no. <laughs> any, if anyone fucks with you, bro, I got, I got your back. <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right. All right, Romeo. It was Romeo. an absolute honor. You take care. I've got to, I've got to get going. It's starting to rain here now. If you can hear it. So I've got a few things to do. I've got to fly out before 12 o'clock. I've got an hour to do it. Okay. All right. All right, my man. Safe travels. God bless. Later. Hopefully one day we'll meet in real life. We will.